This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. As we mentioned last week, we are going weekly during the postseason to give you all the Yankees Magazine content you want. We're going to spend this episode looking back at the first three games of the American League Championship Series, looking forward to what we hope are, I guess, at least three more games of the American League Championship Series, and we'll also talk about just some of the other stuff going around here. I'm John Schwartz. I'm the deputy editor for Yankees Magazine. With me right now, we have Al Sanasiri, our editor-in-chief. Hello. Hey, Al. And joining us for the first time, we have our new senior editor, Jake Kring Schreifels. Not that you got, new. You got the name right, so that's that's off to a great start. Right, we're doing great. I'm going to ignore the five takes that uh, it took to get there. <laughs> but it's the results that count. So, guys, down 2-1. I think you'd rather be up 2-1. Sure. But I, I'm, I'm curious. You know, it, it's very easy after what happened in games two and three and the, you know, rain out in Wednesday night that kind of sucked a little bit of, you know, maybe the hope from parts of the series, knowing that the Yankees have to go four games in a row right now. But, you know, I'm curious what you guys think that you've seen so far that offers just, you know, to, to start this off a little bit of optimism. You know, I, I look at the first two games. We won the first game. Masahiro Tanaka, uh, again, pitched another postseason gem really, really pitched well. I think the Yankees' offense showed that they could, you know, score some runs against uh, Zach Greinke, and they really played smart baseball. They won the game, and they and they won in a really hostile environment. Jake and I were talking yesterday and just about how loud, you know, Minute Maid Park is and how hard it is to win there, in my opinion, because the fans literally never stop. I mean, whether it's during the pregame warm-ups or – um, when nothing is happening in between innings, it's loud all the time. And then it gets even louder when there's even a remote chance that they're, you know, the Astros are going to do something positive. There's a lot of artificial noise. There's a lot of real noise. It's a tough place to win. They proved that they could win there. And that's so important because they have to, of course, win another game, at least one more game there. I look at game two and look, it's unfortunate that we lost the game. Obviously, it would have been tremendous to win two games there, come back to Yankee Stadium up 2-0. I can't even imagine how positive of a thing that would be. But again, what they showed there, whether it was the Aaron Judge home run uh, or you know, whatever the circumstances that got them to this point, they were beating Justin Verlander two to one. That was a big, big mountain to climb. Of course, they lost the game and, and it takes a lot away from that statement, but they did something that I think should give themselves some confidence that they can, of course, do that again, score some runs against him, get a lead against him. And that those are the kind of things they need to do to win this series. But they've done some things that, you know, already that they didn't do in 2017. And of course, before all that, they got to win the next game here. 
Well, you mentioned things that they didn't do in 2017, and the first thing to say is they didn't win a single game in Houston in 2017. That that changes a lot for the series. You know, I'm not. You know, Zach Greinke's a really good pitcher, and mm-hmm. Yankees still have to play him again Thursday night. And look, that, that's a really difficult task. But they've seen that they can hit him. They did hit him. I I like the if you're going to have to face Justin Verlander, I'd rather face him at Yankee Stadium than in Minute mm-hmm. Maid Park. So, you know, AJ Hinch announcing that Verlander is going to be pitching Game Five. That's obviously a tough game, and. You know, you certainly hope that your back's not against the wall and a must-win against Justin Verlander. You'd love to win Game Four, but again, you know, you're gonna have to be, you're gonna have to win a game in Houston. I like the idea of not both of those games being Verlander and Cole. They're one slider away, one misplaced slider away from winning two games in Houston with totally. Adam Montavino and, and George Springer. So that I think automatic, automatically gives you confidence. They're not overwhelmed by the moment, too. I mean, that was two games in a row where they came back. Aaron Judge had the big home run. I also think they're at a little bit of a philosophical crossroads because this is a team that has prided itself all season on the savages in the box moniker, but actually working counts, making sure that they give pitchers a lot to deal with just in the in one at bat, and so. You look at Tuesday night's game, Garrett Cole, they started to do that a little bit and they used, uh, he, he worked, they worked five walks, which he hadn't done all season, but they also would kill threats by swinging at the first pitch. And Aaron Boone was saying after the game, look, I, I want these guys to take an aggressive approach when you're facing studs like Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander when you know that they're going to throw first pitch strikes all the time, and that's how they get ahead in counts. But at the same time, that's not always an easy philosophy when you're trying to build momentum and you're trying to stick back to what you're, you know, you're used to doing, which is working counts and making the opposing pitcher feel a little bit more vulnerable in a hostile environment. And an interesting thing to me is one thing that really sticks out from that game, and I'm just doing a little bit of research for something I'm writing about it. Garrett Cole threw what 112 pitches, I believe. Yeah, 21 of them were to. Gleyber Torres. So that's like very close to 20% of the pitches that he threw were to Gleyber Torres. I, I, I thought all night the maturity of his at-bats, you know, forgetting about outcomes. The outcomes were good. He, you know, walked twice and struck out, and, and then he homered against Joe Smith. But forgetting about the outcomes for a second, he was constantly stepping out. He was constantly, like, not letting Cole dictate the at-bat to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're facing this very possible Cy Young winner, but certainly – over the second half of the season and the postseason, the pitcher who's been the best story and, and, and had the most success. And you have this 22-year-old who's just up there saying, like, I'm not scared, man. <laughs> like, And again, it, just not to keep repeating it, but the step, the stepping out, I really just noticed that this was a guy who you know, knew what the pitcher was trying to do to him and knew he was going to foul off like six pitches when you know he was trying to get him in the late in those counts. And that was very impressive to me. I think that's something good for the whole team to watch. I think that one of the things that always drives me crazy about the postseason and watching, you know, the Yankees in the postseason for so many years, and obviously, while social media is a newer thing in in that, you know, it's been made even worse. The narratives are just maddening, you know. Like you you said, they are one pitch, one bad pitch away in Game Two from possibly being up. 2-0. 2-0. I mean, um, Ottavino could po- possibly be the worst pitcher in baseball right now, the way it seems. Right, exactly. But I, <laughs> yeah, and, and the Yankees are dead, right? Right. No, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it, like, the Yankees had 
all the momentum in 2017 when it went back to Houston and they lost two games. I mean, it's just, you know, we need to put out the takes and we need to do this stuff. And it's, it's very difficult to say to people in the postseason, like, cool out, bro. But like, you know what? Like, cool out. I'm not suggesting that game three was great. I'm not suggesting it was awesome. I'm not suggesting you want to rewatch it 14 times if you're a Yankees fan. But like, there were things to like in that game that could prove positive if you face Garrett Cole again in the series. I agree with you. And I, I think about, you know, the story that I did with Glaber Torres in spring training that we talked about on this podcast, you know, months ago. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I spoke about in on the podcast and wrote about was just his maturity. You know, it's, he's, he's a, uh, you know, an old soul, a mature person and a really mature baseball player. I don't think I realized how mature of a baseball player he was. Or I, you know, sitting down for dinner with him for a couple hours, you, you, kind of realize how mature of a human being he is but it, it his baseball acumen his everything he does at the plate everything he does in the field kind of follows suit and i got a great quote from him in the clincher of the ALDS uh clincher in the you know champagne you know shower of of a, of a celebration in minnesota where you know he talked to a couple of us and said you know i go up to the plate every single time confident. I go up to the plate with a plan in place and I know exactly what I want to do depending on who the pitcher is and the situation of the game and I do everything to execute it. And there's not a lot of baseball players, certainly none that I can think of under the age of 30, maybe save for Derek Jeter, who I've heard comments like that from. And, you know, it's just what what you guys just said and when John, what you just said in particular kind of really resonated with me because I haven't stopped thinking about that quote every time he comes up. I think I wonder what his plan is right now. And he's overwhelming me in terms of how impressive he is. I, I, I couldn't be more impressed with him. And, um, and I think guys feed off that. I think it look, you know, look at the two doubles that he had in Minnesota. You know, Didi Gregorius, two batters later, comes up and knocks him in. I think there's a real trust in in the lineup, and I think that's truly the way you beat, you know, these huge monster pitchers. And there's a you know a, a great bit of confidence, at least that that I have from from that takeaway. But let's look at the rest of Game Three for a second there, because again. They lost 4-1, and it's there was no question in my mind going into that game that if the Yankees managed to beat Garrett Cole there, they suddenly became massive favorites to win the World Series because, I mean, everything would have been, you know, locked up for them, you know, in, in, in the perfect position at that point. And now they got to climb a hill, obviously. But, like, look, Didi Gregorius got all of that ball, it seemed. Mm-hmm. Didn't. He missed it by a tiny, tiny bit. You know, that, that changes the planet if he gets that. Luis Severino clearly did not have his best stuff, and the Astros had a game plan against him, which was just worked to perfection of not swinging at anything low and slow and low in the zone. And yet he got out of there having given up two runs. Zach Britton bounced two balls, and and that was really unfortunate. And obviously one of them directly brings in a run. You can play that game out a lot of different times, and and you're not going to get the same result every time. You know, there's no reason to sit at this point saying the Yankees can't beat the Astros. We've seen the Yankees not only beat the Astros already in Houston, but also, you know, be right there with them for the other two games. I think the key now is you look at how they beat the Astros in game one. It was Tanaka going six innings. You've got four, four games in four days now with this rain postponement. That is where now the, 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 
the need for an elite starting pitcher that I think a lot of Yankees fans were upset about that the Yankees didn't go after it in, in, in July might start to play a role finally. And it didn't really happen at all in the ALDS. You know, they, they didn't have to deal with that because the offense was so good. But when you have now four stacked days, it does kind of change the way that Aaron Boone, I think, has to rely on his starters. And so, you know, you look at Luis Severino not even making it past uh, five innings again, and it, it it is starts to build up in that point. So I think that's where the concern is in my mind now. It's just how does he roll out this bullpen if the starters don't go as as long as they possibly can? I agree. I think that, that that's obviously the main concern that you have to look at at this point. At the same time, Adovino has looked off in the postseason so far. Everyone else has looked unbelievable. And I'm not suggesting that every single time you throw, you know, Zach Britton or Tommy Canley out or anything. I'm, obviously, you know, there's variance in relievers. But I think the, the Yankees did an incredibly good job all September of getting ready for this moment. And yeah, but they have loved that off day between five and six, of course. And I'm sure they set everything up to have that off day between five and six. But Maybe you can't go four days in a row, but you know these guys can go three days in a row. So yeah, Tanaka needs to give them innings on Thursday night. The, 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 it just has to happen. And it would be wonderful if Paxton gave them innings on um, Friday night. I don't think that you know it's as simple, though, as you know that being if Paxton's out in the third inning, then the Yankees are done. I mean, the one thing we haven't seen yet this series, which you know we are going to see, and I guess we, that's not true. We saw it in game one. But you know we're going to see again. It's just the Yankees' bats going crazy. This offense is too good. Whether you look at the home runs that might have been, if not for maybe a different ball or something or whatever, this team is going to get a hold of balls. This team is going to, you know, string together a couple hits sometimes. So they need pitching and they need pitching to go along. But even in the two games they've lost, they've given up six runs. like Or, or seven runs, sorry. You know, it, it's just... We haven't had a Garrett Cole going seven innings, but even with a two and a third inning start and a four plus inning start, the team's still giving up seven runs in those games. But that is actually a, a decent, you know, segue to Jake in in the October issue of Yankees Magazine, which subscribers probably have gotten by now, or if not, should very soon. You actually wrote about Josh Bard, and Josh Bard isn't the manager of this team, but coaching at this point of the year is just you see so much of it. And, you know, whether whatever the narratives that carried over from last year about how Boone and his staff handled it compared to how they are now, you know, you spent a lot of time with different coaches and managers in preparing the story about Bard. What are you seeing from the coaching staff having dug into it the way you did to prepare that story? The interesting thing is you think about bench coaches and a lot of people, I think, don't even really know their purpose. And... I think that was part of the goal in pursuing the story too was to just get a better comprehensive understanding of what these guys do on a daily basis and how they actually help the manager. Um, I, I think what I found out was, understandably, you know, Josh Bard is part of the, a lot of the decision-making process that goes on with Aaron Boone, with Mike Harkey, with Larry Rothschild. These guys have a runway meeting that they call every day and they talk about what do we have in terms of our bullpen? What are we able to use? How long do we want to use guys? They do this every day during the regular season. And I think that was really a big part of the narrative. What we talked about was not using a reliever for for three straight days. That was a big part of building up to October. So Josh Bard is 
kind of in this unique role because he has almost a liaison feel for talking to the front office, talking to the analytics guys up up in the front office and talking to the bullpen coach, talking to Larry Rothschild. He's got all he this speaks information. all the languages of the game. He does, yeah. yeah. And so when when he brings that information to Aaron Boone, you know, he he's got he's got so many different perspectives kind of helping Aaron understand what he wants to do from an analytics perspective, but also just from a relational feel perspective, from a player perspective too. A lot of times these guys have they played together for one year in Cleveland, but they they have a lot of major league experience playing together too. They often think about what do hitters, what do pitchers want to hear from us? How can we translate a lot of the information that we get from the front office? And and so they come up with, well, you know, I, I don't know if I if this really helps me in the box, but I think this does. We saw that a lot even last year with a lot of the armbands for Gary and Austin and using them in, in, the, in the catching process and how do we maximize hitters' deficiencies, pitchers' strengths? They use that a lot during in-game stuff. You've even seen that with the Astros now. I think a lot of other teams have used that now in this day and age. But there's just so much information that Josh Bard is now kind of responsible for in terms of how can you create a different language for these guys, tailored individually sometimes to them as well, to get these uh, players in the in the best position possible. Yeah, and... In 2018, it was that, you know, Aaron Boone didn't go to his bullpen quickly enough. Right. Somehow, you know, in game two of this series, he's, you know, going to his bullpen too quickly. Again, it just goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I think that, first off, the odds, Boone was making the right call in each, in each of those situations where, where he did it. But also, you know, sometimes your really good right-handed reliever is going to give up a home run. And... Sure, Adovino did it in a 2-1 game, but like in the division series, Canely gave up a home run, you know, and, and we're talking about how great he's been. Like I said, in game three here, Britain, who's obviously trying to throw sinkers and he's trying to you know put the ball low, he bounced the pitch at a crucial time. People want to blame Gary Sanchez because the ball hit the plate and flew over his body. I mean, I don't know what they want from him exactly on that pitch. Right. But, you know, again, I, I think that Boone and the coaching staff, I, I, I said in the last episode that the most impressive part of the managing I felt was how little managing it seemed he was doing despite making so many moves because it really seemed like everything was going according to the team's formula. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the in the ALCS, almost nothing is going according to the formula. And I think it, he's done a really good job of just getting the right pitcher and in the right moment. Adovino being the exception thus far, but also Adovino being a guy who you kind of expect will turn it around because... It's still an unhittable pitch he's got. Basically. I agree with you, and I, I thought that too. I mean, I just think it, it there's a great recipe that they've had here uh, for some time, and the recipe in the games they won really works. And, you know, whether it was Masahiro Tanaka going six innings or whether it was in game three uh, of the ALDS, you know, the clinching game there, you know, Severino going four, and then, you know, literally everybody in the bullpen with the exception of Adovino, doing exactly what they've done all year and what they're supposed to do. But it is a a bunch of humans out there, you know. So like you said, sometimes guys aren't going to be as effective. I mean, Adovino was so good this year. I mean, so overwhelmingly good 
I agree. It's hard to imagine he's going to continue on this decline or whatever. I, I I was shocked each time it happens, you know, but I think back to even, you know, looking at past postseasons, you know, um, you know, 2001 when Mariano Rivera blew a save that cost them the World Series, you know, and, and I remember Joe Torre had a great quote. Somebody came up to him after I think it was spring training or something the next year and said, hey, you know, whatever mistakes you made last year in that game, you'll, you'll, you'll make up for it. You know, I mean, he put his closer in the greatest closer of all time and he didn't get the job done that night. You know, there's only so much the manager can do. And I think in this case, Aaron Boone's done a great job, but if you look at the pitches that even in the game that, you know, we lost to Houston game two out there, you know, I mean, the bullpen over a long period of time gave up two solo home runs. If that was a regular season game and you looked at what the bullpen did that night and, you know, it was six or seven innings, they gave up two solo home runs, you'd say, okay, you know, we should have won that game. The offense should have scored as many runs and, and they didn't. And that's still really good managing. It just wasn't perfect. I agree with the way that he deployed the bullpen there because you can't, you can't think, well, I might need to save Chad Green because we could go to 13 innings here. You just can't operate that way. You have to play your cards like it's all going down in the ninth inning and it'll it'll happen one way or the other. And frankly, maybe you can deploy things that way if your starter goes more than 2.1 minutes. Right. But Paxton had to come out of that game. I mean, you know, I'm a pretty big Paxton defender, but like he could not locate anything. No. So once he gets out of that game... You've just used too many pitchers at that point to suddenly say in the ninth inning, like throw up your hands and say, like, well, I'm going to kill this guy's arm now because I got to do it. Like, no, you got to. Right. And and I think these are, to tie it back into into bar too, I think these are things that they are always prepared for. They've game planned so much in advance that it really is almost to the point where Aaron doesn't need to uh, really think on the fly as much anymore. He's got his whole list. He's got all the different possibilities and permutations that they can go through. And it's just a matter of what he sees on the field at that time, noticing the location. And once he makes the first move, I think it's just from there, it's just following kind of what your matchups dictate. So, I mean, clearly the moral of the story here, as Al said, is that Adam Adovino still has a chance to be Mariano Rivera. I think we can all expect that. (laughs) Um, In the meantime, you know, again, down 2-1, not where you want to be, but there's still a lot of Great baseball to be played, including two games to be played at Yankee Stadium, which are they're going to be electric. Even if they lose them both, you know, up until that last minute of game five, it's going to be a pretty awesome scene here. Stick with us on Twitter at Yanks Magazine. Certainly check out our stories, yankees.com slash magazine. Call 800-GO-YANKS to subscribe and buy issues. If you're here at the stadium, you can't get our book right now because MLB takes over the LCS program. But, you know, certainly go to a Hudson News by you or, again, call that number and subscribe and buy your issues. We look forward to speaking to you a week from now, hopefully with a happy recap of the first of the last few games of the LCS and the first few games of the World Series. But in the meantime, enjoy uh, the rest of this series and we'll speak to you soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Jay Happ. For more stories like these, subscribe to Yankees Magazine by visiting yankees.com slash publications or by calling 800-GO-YANKS. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 